Hey guys, you guys know what time it is. This is your boy, Just, and it's the Daily Knicks Podcast. On this edition of the show, we'll be talking about Frankie Smokes returning back to the team, explaining who the Knicks should look to trade with at the trade deadline, the benching of Super Mario. But you guys know what time it is. Time to strap up your temps. Let's go! Alright guys, back at it again with the Daily Knicks podcast for you guys. So, the first thing I want to talk about um, about the show first was um, the idea of uh, fantasy. So, when you think of a fantasy or you have a dream, there's a difference between a fantasy and a dream. Dreams are achievable. You can actually work towards them. You can put thoughts, hard work, mentality, whatever it takes to get to them. Now, then there's fantasies. Fantasies are things you hope, you wish, you pray for. But, like, there was a book I read. I forgot the name of the title at the moment. But basically, it came down to the idea that hope is not a strategy. It's not a plan. That is what a fantasy is. And for most Knicks fans who are probably around my age, maybe a little bit older than me, understand the fantasy that was LeBron James. Now, what should have just been LeBron versus Dwayne Wade, um, a game the last time they played uh, with the Lakers winning by three <clears throat> over the Miami Heat. The two embrace, and the quote was said, I can't really put the audio in because it's probably too fuzzy for you all to be able to hear it, but basically LeBron, in so many words, goes ahead and says, the only venue that was big enough for this event was either here or the garden. Now, when I woke up to that tweet, it was because I saw it I went to bed before the game uh, started. Immediately, I kind of fell into the trap of, oh, man, just another, another elf in the Knicks this decade, full of mistakes, full of bad personnel moves. And how it basically just goes to show you that they may or may not ever win a championship or whatever. That's actually not the case. It's just LeBron trolling the Knicks. Now, he's done this in the past multiple, multiple, multiple times. Um, For starters, let's go back to the fact that LeBron has been in this league for now almost 16 years, right? He is one of the most intelligent basketball players to ever play the game of basketball. You're now going to tell me that LeBron, seeing all the cameras, was somehow going to now all of a sudden get caught off a hot mic? Okay. Now, I'm going to show you an article. Shout out to The Ringer. Dave Devine wrote a piece about all it took was to make LeBron King of New York was a soundbite. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing out, but throughout LeBron's career, he has continuously, continuously trolled the Knicks. Um, 
one of the tweets or one of the comments he got was, this is from uh, Dave McMenamin from ESPN. He said, I told Wade, I said, what's the odds that our last game would be in an environment like this? He was like, thank you for coming here because our last meeting is in Staples Center. I said, there's only two places that could have ended it. It's here and Madison Square Garden. And I felt like here is even more appropriate because of the star power. And for us to be through this journey, our whole lives, and for us to have the final possession, and for us to have those moments in the game, Staples Center is a place that appreciates that. This idea of LeBron constantly flirting with the Knicks is baffling. Um, Ever since the 2010, because I was very naive to how basketball worked, uh, I definitely thought the Knicks were getting LeBron until eh, about like halfway through the process. I'm like, he's not getting a meeting. They're not coming. So then uh, I I look at all the times that LeBron has, quote unquote, been rumored to come to the Knicks. So just a little transparency things off this article. Uh, LeBron James wore a Yankees cap <laughs> in game one of the 2007 ALDS when the Yankees were facing the, his hometown Cleveland Indians that he's now a Cleveland Indians fan again or whatever. Um, he, uh, he talked about how he would love to play in the garden way before he got into the NBA for some odd reason. When I get to the garden, I always play well, just to note that in the garden, LeBron James averages 28.2 points a game on 53% shooting gets just under seven rebounds, just over seven assists, uh, just under two steals a game and nearly 36 uh, minutes played. He hasn't lost an MSG in five years. He's had 26 visits there. He's 19 and seven all time in MSG. Um, he's also go ahead and said um, he wanted to play there for all 82 games if he could. Um, at, during the All-Star game, he said there's no other game better than playing in MSG. My point is this. The man has been using the Knicks as a side chick. Not even a side chick, because a side chick at least gets some respect of at least like going to the house. What's like under a side chick? It's just like the you up text chick. Like I don't I don't even I don't even know like what's what's the what's the downside of 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 the list of girls you try to go to when you just need attention. And here's the thing. He not even going over there. He's just talking about you. Um so for Knicks fans to get all in a tizzy about this, I understand. They're clearly a very, we are clearly a very sensitive fan base. They get a lot of uh, any little thing, any little moment will fire us up. I mean, we benched one of the worst players on our team, and then the entire, you know, fan base lost his mind, including me. Uh, so for LeBron to somehow completely switch the narrative of the fact that they almost lost to a team that only has 11 wins at home, by the way. I mean, he's nothing because he's, he's the smartest guy to turn the narrative around. Now we have two days of content just because of this, you know, and it's neither here nor there. He's never coming here. He never wants to come here and it's fine. You know, it is what it is. Like I quote Alan Hahn a lot on this uh, pod, but it's talking about how the Knicks have to get healthy. You can't just always be so thirsty of running around trying to get the best player. You have to at least have a foundation in your franchise before you're going to go about and looking so thirsty for every little dude who wants to come around who's one of the best basketball players in the world. All right. Side note. Now back to the actual team. 
Frankie Smokes came back. He was, in my opinion, great in the Charlotte game. We'll talk about the uh, the Brooklyn game prior to that. So he had 13 points in the Brooklyn game, came off the bench really late into the third quarter when they got smoked by the Brooklyn Nets, who also aren't that good. His energy was great. He was able to lock up Spencer Dinwiddie, who was – I completely screwed up your name. We know who you are, Spencer. Um, he completely was able to get the Knicks to get actual stops and actually force their defensive hand. I don't think – so one of the main things uh, people always look at about NBA players is their scoring. And I would argue while scoring is – a significant factor of the game and be able to get put the ball in the basket. I would argue that there are more ways to dominate a basketball game that will make you a more efficient player. Now, if you're giving me 30 a game, and you're shooting 44 to 51% from the field, your defense can be, you know, whatever. But you, we get caught up so much in scoring and how much people score, how many times they put the ball in the hole, that we forget that there are other aspects of the game. So, mind you, so for me, when I watch LeBron James, when I watch him play, his scoring is like the third best thing I think he does. Maybe the fourth best thing. Like prime LeBron, I think the best thing he ever did was pass. The second best thing I think he ever did was defend. And the third best thing I think he did above scoring was the pace he played with, the amount of intensity he played with. He made guys scared to play basketball against him. He was intimidating. And yet we're so caught up into scoring and how people shoot and all sort of stuff that we lose track on how much you can affect the game. So move back to Frank Nilakina. He only scored 13 points. Now, 13 points in a quarter and a half, I guess, is a quarter and like really five minutes is impressive. That's a significant amount of time. Or simply short amount of time to score 13 points, especially for a guy who's not known for scoring. However, I don't think Knicks fans can't get in love with this. Now they think, all right, he's going to be a 17-point uh, scorer. I don't know if he'll ever be a 17-point to 25-point scorer in his league. I think he'll grade out somewhere between 15 and 18 points a game, give or take the year. But the other stuff that Frank does, especially on the defensive end, is something that you can't quantify. Unfortunately, we don't have statistics that that show like I can give you counting stats. It's really easy to go, oh, Trey Young is playing well because he he's putting up 15 on 42% shooting, 37 from three, you know, things like that. Those are easy offensive counting stats. We don't right now have the ability to give you great defensive counting stats because it, it you just see it. It's just like one of those things. It's like, what's the color blue look like? It, once you see it, you know it. Um, So when it comes to Frank's defense, 
he was able to, uh, the Knicks film school uh, did a good job of, of breaking this down, of denying the ball handler penetration. He was then switched on to, I think it was Ron Hollis Jefferson, who tried to post him up, couldn't move him at all. They had to swing the ball to the corner. Then Frank runs back to his man at the top of the key to deny the short three-point shot. And then they had to kick it to uh, Jared Allen, who got a shot clock violation. The Knicks had two shot clock violations. Actually, really, it was three. They didn't count one of them because um, a foul was called. They had three shot clock violations, and that's in the last few moments of that game. And that's all because of Frank. He's able to just do so many things on the defensive end that we just don't see with bad, mind you, with bad defensive players. Okay. It's it's astounding to see. And it's something that I personally think that the Knicks should try to enhance. I know the shooting is the biggest thing. And for me, I just want him to take open shots. That's always been my criticism is I don't need you to be Damian Lillard. I don't need you to be Westbrook. I don't need you to be Kyrie. But if you have an open jump shot, it is it is almost it is a detriment to the offense if you just don't shoot it. Okay? Because if you shoot six times and you make it twice, okay, from wherever on the floor, they at least have to give you some respect. The amount of because it's all about space. Can you stretch defenders out? And if you are unable to at least have someone think about that you're gonna shoot a three. Or be able to make a nice jump shot, you're doing nothing in the league. Um, so now moving forward on to the, the Charlotte game. I thought the Charlotte game was actually worse than the Nets game. Yeah, he had 18 points all in the second half. Uh, he did look a lot more aggressive. He got them somewhat-ish in the game. The issue with the Charlotte game is that his defense, I thought, kind of tapered down. Um not saying he played bad defense, but Tony Parker got him a few times, even before the scoring, just the whole game. I didn't think he brought the same intensity on the defensive end as he as he did in the past. Uh I definitely think it's possible that he is hearing the noise. He's clearly heard the noise. Um you know, it's it's obvious. But is it possible that he could just be able to keep developing because I, I I don't think his event def, defense is finished. I think he's really good. I don't think he's elite yet. Um, I don't think he's in the Paul George class of the or Kawhi Leonard of class. Like, can he be? Can he win Defensive Player of the Year? I think he has that ability, but he's not there yet. He does. He doesn't. The thing I love too is that he doesn't take a lot of risk. He doesn't foul as much as you would think for a guy who who plays uh, such good defense, especially in the league where you can't really do anything to anybody anymore. Um, but I definitely thought his defense was was inconsistent at best in the Charlotte game. Now, if you're able to just have him use that confidence in the next game, like. Listen, they're playing the Cavs. I'm going to drop this before 
um, that game is played, he should destroy the Cavs. Destroy the Cavs. I know Colin Sexton is playing, and I know he's playing really well. They are the second-worst team in basketball. And he should literally find a way to break them apart. The Knicks should should win this game. Now, I say this, and they'll probably lose, but they should win this game. And his mindset is the biggest thing that has to happen for this team. Um, I don't need you to become something that you're not. And that is the biggest thing for me. And so, all right, quick break, and then I'll talk to you guys about who the Knicks should look to trade with. All right, so moving along, uh, just talking about future trades, because obviously we're talking about the draft. When I look at this, this is like the part of the show where I talk about the drafts and, you know, other things like that. So I've made a list, and I don't want to go through every single trade that I made right now. I will on a later podcast when I have finally have an interview with someone or a conversation with someone else instead of just talking to myself this whole time. But... I made an index (laughs) and understand this. The NBA is all about 30 GMs trying to outsmart the other 30 GMs. Okay. It's that simple. Acquiring talent, taking or giving away bad and trash contracts. So I made an index for teams that are quote on the desperate team index or on the bad team trying to look good index, whichever you want to call it. So I'll just explain the point system. And then after I explain the point system, I'll explain who will be on this list. So there are six data points you have to get. If your team is over a 12, then the Knicks should try. The Knicks should try to trade with that team. Mind you, the Knicks are also on this, you know, Good team trying to look, bad team trying to look good index. So just for anyone who's trying to question. All right. Number one criteria is bad owner. Do you have a bad, crazy, dumb, they get too involved owner? That's worth five points. Number two, bad GM. That is worth four points. Your GM makes bad trades, bad signings, this, that, the other. Uh, number three is kind of a rotating situation on every year per basis. Is your team a disappointing team? You're supposed to be in the playoffs. You're not in the playoffs. You're supposed to be, um, you know, playing better, develop, whatever, whatever it is. You're disappointing the team. Fourth point is irrational fan base. Do your fans have a higher expectation than they actually should? Do you not convey to them what actually your team is doing at the moment? Uh, the fifth point I would have is a small market team for big free agents slash stars. That's worth two points. Uh, you know, the small market teams that have to hold on to their free agents as much as or as their star players as much as they can are in desperate uh, looking around to think who's going to poach up their star. And the last point I have, the sixth point, which is financial circumstances. Listen, not all of these teams and GMs make the same amount of money. And some of them not are, are not all into the idea of winning. Some of them just want the team to make money. So with those being the data points, I'm just going to go over 
the teams the Knicks should look to trade with because this is the sphere that they should uh, resolve around. Now, again, you got to be able to make a 12 for your team to be on this list. So teams I had, number one, Phoenix Suns. Bad owner, just had breaking news on my phone that the uh, Suns owner is looking to move the team to Vegas or Seattle. (laughs) That's really great. Great timing. The idea that you can now all of a sudden say, yeah, I just want to move the team for God knows what. Yeah, this doesn't really make you good. Bad GM? Well, you had a GM that drafted the worst defensive center in the league, probably just behind Enos Cantor, over a transcendent player. And then you fired that GM to get another GM in James Jones who cut one of his best players so LeBron can have him on his team and may also cut another one of his best players on his team so LeBron can get him on his team. Yeah. All right. Disappointing team. They're 4-22. and they, They're awful. Uh, irrational fan base. I don't know if Phoenix actually has a fan base. Uh, small market team, big free agent stars. Well, they have Devin Booker, so they have to think they have to do something to improve with him. And financial circumstances. He's moving the team, or at least he's threatening to move the team. So typically when owners do that, they're really only doing it for one reason. They want a new stadium or a new arena. They want something. That's the only reason they do that. So that, without even looking, they hit five out of the six. That's the team the Knicks should make a trade with. The second team the Knicks should make a trade with, Washington Wizards. Bad owner. Does anyone even know the owner of the Wizards' name? That's actually not a bad thing. So I won't say they have a bad owner. Bad GM. Uh, yeah, they've made awful trades. They had somehow they one time had a team with Javel McGee and Nick Young on it at the same time. They gave John Wall a hundred and seventy-five million dollar extension. Okay, disappointing team. They're under five hundred, not in the playoffs. Irrational fan base. Again, I don't really think anyone cares about the Wizards. Small market team with a big free agent slash stars. I wouldn't say the Wizards are a small team, but they do have stars on the team and financial circumstance. Not really, but they still meet the criteria of just a team that the Knicks should make the trade of. Sacramento Kings. Now, I will say better than what I expected, but still bad G owner. Bad owner. One time wanted to play four on five basketball and started to cherry pick teams. Okay. Bad GM. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to say Vladdy's a bad GM. That uh, boogie trade, it's not bad as it looks right now. Now, they drafted Marvin, ba- Marvin Bally over Luka Doncic, but De'Aaron Fox looks really good. So I'm going to take that away. Disappointing team? They're not a disappointing team. Actually, right now, I think right behind, uh, right behind Dallas for the playoff spot. Not a disappointing team. Irrational fan base. No, I don't think the Kings are irrational. I think they're pretty fine. Uh, they don't really have small market. They are a small market team, but they don't really have a big free agent. And I believe they're getting a new arena, but I have to double check on that. So I'm actually going to say no. The Knicks should not make a trade with the Sac- uh, God, do you know times are changing when the Knicks should not make a trade with the Sacramento Kings. All right, next team, Memphis Grizzlies. Bad owner? Well, the owner just had to buy out the two other owners for some weird thing that they had going on. Um, So that's one. 
bad GM. He drafted Hassan, uh, Hassan to beat second overall. <laughs> yeah, that's all I need to say. Disappointing team? No, doing pretty well in the West. Even though I would debate that their team uh, is going to get their players are going to get hurt. Your rational fan base again. I just think Memphis just likes winning fifty games, so that would be fine. Smart market with big free agent slash stars. They do have two big time stars on their team and financial circumstances. Listen, Memphis has always been rumored. Every time a team we talk about the Seattle thing, it's always Memphis or it's always New Orleans. Obviously, we talk about the Suns now, but those are the two teams that they always talk about every single time. So they're always in a financial circumstance. So yes, I would put them on the list. Next up, a little shocking, I guess, with this one. Charlotte Hornets. Bad owner. Michael Jordan has made some horrendous signings. Like, horrendous signings in the past. Bad GM. Mitch Kupchak's the GM. Mitch Kupchak once traded for Dwight Howard. Yeah, he did that. Off a bad back surgery. And then he walked away. And then he gave that draft pick over to the Sixers. Luckily, it wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be, but they didn't have a pick. They had a bad. They have a bad GM. Disappointing team. Uh, they're five hundred. It's like uh, it's whatever, you know. Irrational fan base again. Team wins. I don't think they're like the best basketball team in their city. <laughs> I don't think people care that much in Charlotte. Uh, small market team for big free agent star. They got uh, Kemba Walker, and we'll see what they want to do with that. And financial circumstances. They got Michael. Uh, Michael should be fine. They seem to make a lot of money, so they're fine. All right, I'm going to run through the next two really quickly. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, bad owner. Just trust me, it's a bad owner. Tibbs is the GM, bad team. Disappointing start. They're just under 500. I think they're 12th now in the West or so. Uh, they definitely have that irrational fan base. Their fan base was lucky they made the playoffs last year. Small market team, but their stars are kind of locked up for a while. And financial circumstance, and they're fine. The last one is the most interesting one, I personally think, on here. It's New Orleans Pelicans. Now, I didn't put them on here completely. This was the one I kind of just bet the Mendoza line. They get 11 points. I'll explain why. So, bad owner. Definitely. They had Tom Benson was their owner after they after he bought it from the league, but then he died. And then if you read like the affidavit or some of the stuff that came out about him and his like kids, that's like stuff like that is why succession, if y'all watch on HBO, is a show. Um, it is interesting. So right now his wife owns the team, but she's like it's like kind of like they're running it with the Saints, like the Saints. Like Mickey Loomis is kind of also like I think the president of basketball operations for them. It's like a weird transition. I don't know. They, they have a very weird ownership situation, and you know they're also in New Orleans. Uh, let me skip Bad GM for a moment. Disappointing team. I think they're fairly disappointing. Uh, I think they. I thought they're going to be a lot higher in the West standings, but again, it's the West. It's still fairly early. We can like revisit that part again. Irrational fan base. They played the Clippers. I think two Mondays ago. And there was no one at the game. And that was a big game. The Clippers were still, I think, the best team in the West. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis, big star, small market. And the financial circumstances, can New Orleans hold two professional teams? I mean, the Saints are obviously champions. And, the you know, they love the Saints. But 
It doesn't seem like anyone cares about the Pelicans. That put them at about 11. I think it was 11 last time I counted. Actually, I'll count right now. Uh, one, four, one, four. So we're at nine. Oh, they're at, I'm sorry. They're at, yeah, they're at 11. So the bad GM, I went and looked at Dell Demps's like history of trades and draft picks. It's honestly not that bad. I, I looked at it and I was like, I would have made all those moves. Like even when they got DeMarcus, like I actually thought that was a good trade at the time. Uh, Cause I, again, like I always say, if you think you have an all-star player playing at his prime, you trade for him. Um, and unfortunately, Buddy Heel just ended up actually becoming a good basketball player. And DeMarcus Torres Achilles. That, that's all that came down to. DeMarcus Torres Achilles. So I, I couldn't put him as a bad GM right now. Even though I have a very long, complicated trade, including the Pelicans, uh, the Kings, and the Cavaliers with the Knicks. Um, but I'll explain that one later. Um, so I, I don't have New Orleans there. But I do think the Anthony Davis might leave kind of noise by push it over the edge to make him a bad GM. All right. So, yeah, one last break and then we'll come back, wrap things up. All right, um, last point. So basically going through the two things I need to talk to. And the last thing I just want to talk about was obviously the starting lineup and the like we always talk about predicting the team going forward. So Mark Berman is reporting, as much as he likes to report, that the um, Fisdale is mulling, quote-unquote, the idea of starting Kevin Knox uh, tonight against the Cavaliers. Now, Obviously, that seems like a smart move because Hazoni has been dog shit. I mean, dog shit. He's so bad. Um, he he basically kind of like start. He's like the opener for like the any baseball team. Like he kind of comes in, does nothing, and then kind of gets out the game. So that would be a great move, not only for just the Knicks team in general because Knox is a better player than him right now. But also really good for Knox. I mean, obviously, we don't right now have a wing. Like, Knox and Hazonia are really our only two wings. We don't really play any other guys above 6'7". I mean, I guess Neil Kane is 6'7", but um, we don't. We just don't have any other guys who play at the three, um, unfortunately, right now. Shout out to you, Kevin Durant. Uh, but the, so so for us, it comes down to playing Knox. But can he actually 
get his shots in this lineup. Now, I think he can. Uh, it's going to be Moutier, what I believe will be. It's not me reporting. This might change. But it should be Moutier, Hardaway, Knox, uh, Vale, Cantor, which um, I definitely think that spreads open that spreads the floor open for someone like Moutier because now you have four capable three-point shooters. Let's take that back. Three. I don't trust Moutier's three-point shooting. But Vonley has proven to be a really, really solid three-point shooter. Like, if you leave him open, he's got it. Knox has been shooting really well from the three lately, and Timmy's been doing his thing, even though it kind of busted off his midseason slump uh, over the last two games. So, going forward, um, the Knicks end up facing the Cavaliers tonight. They go on the road to face the Hornets. They're still on the road for the Pacers. They have a little three-game road streak going. And then they come back home. They place the dog crap Suns on Monday. And then basically go back on the road. They're basically like home, home road, home road, home road until Christmas. Um, and then that's when the <laughs> that's when the woodshed starts coming out. So over these next few games. Uh, let's count one, two, three, four, five, six. I'll say six. I won't count the Bucks game yet. Uh, if you want to see the team win some games, I would argue you would you should go watch the Knicks play really soon. Definitely that Friday night game against the Hawks, and definitely that Suns game on Monday against the Knicks. Then, because once Christmas hits, they basically start their west coast trip and it it's it's bad so from the 27th which is i then they play the bucks on the road all the way to the 8th they they they, they're on the road the west coast trip they play in this order the bucks the jazz the nuggets the lakers the blazers the warriors and then they come home and face the Pacers. It is going to be daunting for them to uh, for them to get some wins. So, point of the matter is, point of the foundation is obviously it's the development. The wins at this point are obviously not going to be there. We're not; they're not making the playoffs. Um, like we say every time on this pod, but. Um, the focus has to be just on the Knicks actually getting their young guys better. Um, we don't want to be in a situation like Phoenix where their best player got hurt and then he was arguing with their second best player and their second best player basically thinks that the NBA is too hard for him and then their third, I don't know if he's a third best player, but their third rookie is yelling at the coach on the sideline about nothing as they're getting blown out for like the 15th time <laughs> man i cannot be a Suns fan um so yeah and in closing of this elegant pod almost 36 minutes uh just wrap up quickly with this so obviously everyone wants kevin durant this is the kevin durant kind of like a little speech at the end and for those who Really want to have Kevin Durant. I understand. The thing about it is, 
when you're constructing a basketball team, I will just keep in mind that you have to be able to make a cohesive, well-oriented starting five. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, but I believe this was two years ago now. Um, Iman Shumpert showed up on Everyday Struggle. He was trying to talk about music, but obviously um, Joe Budden and TJ Academics were talking to him about other stuff. So he started talking about uh, basketball, obviously. And he made the point, which I think got kind of lost because no one ever really brings it up again, how like he he basically talked about like his role and like the way he plays in the NBA. And I'm paraphrasing it to to a degree. But he came out and just said that no one wants to play defense in the league. And that's true. If you really think about it, no one, no one really wants. Playing defense is hard. It's tough. You might end up as a poster. You might, you might end up like Wesley Johnson. No one wants to play defense. But you have to understand that if you have two guys who excel at one thing, he basically made the point like, well, what can I do to help the team win? And when you play with someone like LeBron, like Kyrie, what can I do to make the team win? So you can see that with um, a team like Boston this year. Everyone thought, Bill Simmons said they were going to win 65 games. Everyone thought that team was just going to click and it's going to go. But it didn't work like that. They were under 500 for until, you know, this last kind of six-game winning streak they, they just went on. And it's really just because they've they now have a lineup, at least a starting lineup, where not everyone needs to get their shot. Some guys play some a lot of the guys play defense. A lot of guys are a lot of guys, excuse me, are willing to push the ball. A lot of guys are willing to take make the extra pass. They playing as a team. The Golden State thing that's happening is a phenomenon. They pretty much have three guys who take all the shots, and then Draymond kind of dictates where the ball goes after that. So for the Knicks, if getting Kevin Durant is the goal and it's the main goal, you have to make sure you have players on the roster or get players who fit into that mold. So I was just speaking to someone the other day about, um, you know, who would I rather have like on the Knicks? And the Knicks desperately need shooting. They can't shoot at all. But what I will say is if if they can get Zion, it's kind of like what Frankie is. When you watch him play, again, when I watch him play, the scoring isn't the, the thing that I watch. He does so many things on the court that's just jaw not Not the dunks, you know, those are great. The defense, the intensity he plays with, the amount of like, I'm trying to destroy you attitude on the court he has all the time. And if you have KD, KP, and let's say, you know, Tim Hardaway is still on the team. Those are three guys whose best attribute is scoring. Maybe not KP as much, but the three, but most of them are being going to be defined by scoring. You're not going to have a team that's going to be able to add a couple of guys who want to score the basketball. So for me, building the roster and the culture around KP, KD, I'm sorry, is vital if the Knicks want to actually get this thing done and actually become a winning franchise. 
All right. Again, that's as much time I had. 41 minutes. God, I talked about Neil Kane a lot. Make sure you guys follow me at JustinCred92 on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you follow the Daily Knicks um, site. Go there for all the latest Knicks content. Uh, and yeah, everything else. Now, how we end it? Go Knicks. We out.